0: We have a timeline for the much-anticipated question mark, uh, Avatar sequels. So my question for you guys, which I guess really it's Matt's question, um, when are we finally going to get, or I guess obtain, the unobtainium? Um, Matt, since this is like your big thing, let's start with you. I'm going to say
1: never, because then I'll have to change the name. (laughs) (laughs) Tabitha.
2: Uh, spoiler alert slash plot twist. If I remember correctly, they obtain the unobtainium in the first one, but by obtaining the unobtainium, they make the planet in- uninhabitable. So maybe they're going to find re- a way to work around the. I don't know. Re- Retanium. Retanium. <laughs> a- attainium? like attainable ad- obtainium. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why we're I, this is dumb. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Lydia.
3: Yeah, that made my brain hurt. Let's let's not try to come up with names for uh, obtainable unobtainium because that's. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know, but I feel like if they do, if it didn't already happen in the first one, it's going to be like sequel like thirty seven. Some why, how, how many are there? Even? <laughs> I
2: didn't even know how many they announced. 37 sounds like, an, yeah. sounds like the right number.
0: Well, so far they've announced up to Avatar 5. So they've announced four sequels. <laughs> I'm going to guess that it's going to happen in Avatar 4, and then Avatar 5 will just be the fallout of the unobtainable EM. I just—I still don't understand why this is now. What it'll be twelve years before we get the sequel to this movie. Like, why? I still don't understand it.
1: Well, how are you gonna set a like a set a schedule that you're gonna like produce a sequel every two years? But it's been twelve years and we still haven't gotten the second one. You really, you really think I believe that you're gonna get the third one done two years after the next one?
2: Maybe they're just gonna film them all at the same time and then release them. Like over if the to slowly
3: degrading quality, like uh, <laughs> like the land before time, like how they just like slowly deteriorated over time. But by the <laughs> time they got to like the 14th one, it's just not even worth watching. Maybe they're just gonna like not care about quality, and it's just gonna slowly just get worse and worse and worse and
0: worse. By Avatar five, they just have uh, guest appearances by the Blue Man Group. <laughs> 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 you're listening to The Geek Awakens with Mitch, Matt,
3: Tabitha, Lydia,
0: and Ticket. So we're gonna start tonight with something that I don't really know if I want to talk about because it's like kind of... Heavy, but at the same time, it definitely fits into our um, wheelhouse. So there is some trouble on the TARDIS. Uh, John Barrowman's pre-recorded cameo has been removed from the Doctor Who Time Fracture uh, interactive exhibit after allegations of misconduct. I guess uh, way back in his early Doctor Who slash Torchwood days, um, he would jokingly uh, expose himself to cast, crew, all that kind of stuff. Uh, according to reports, he was reprimanded, he apologized, and he changed his behavior. So, a BBC spokesperson said that, quote, the BBC is against all forms of inappropriate behavior, and we're shocked to hear these allegations, end quote. First off, come on now, BBC, you knew that this was a thing. Like, sure. don't, 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 don't. And- <laughs> I have to preface this by saying, like, I don't agree with what John Barrowman initially did. That's not cool in any, you know, in, in any uh, workplace environment. But at the same time, it sounds like all the appropriate steps were followed and he stopped doing it. it to me, this feels a lot like a James Gunn situation where it was like, it was an issue, Then it became a non-issue, and now people are like, oh, hey, remember that time? And now they're trying to make it an issue again.
2: Yeah, I
1: agree. I mean, Barrowman has admitted that what he did was inappropriate. He, after, like, you know, along with the reprimand, changed his behavior. He also admitted that he didn't ever do it in a uh, uh, malicious way, which I know that there's, like, like kind of like the James Gunn situation. It wasn't like that also wasn't necessarily done maliciously, but like, I don't know. He's one of those public figures that I believe when he says that it was not done with malicious intent, that it was not done with malicious intent. Like some of those, um, allegations and, you know, things that are brought up, it's like, yeah, like you could kind of see that person doing such a thing as an abuse of power. He just doesn't seem like that kind of person. So, yeah, I like BBC knew about this. So, yeah, like the James Gunn thing, we're making an issue out of a non-issue
0: that was an issue.
3: People just want something to complain about,
0: and and I'm not suggesting that. I guess I, I kind of am, but I'm not intentionally suggesting that the people who are bringing this back to light um, are like this. But at the same time, I got to feel like, you know, like, and say what you will about, you know, the whole cancel culture and everything like that, whether you're for it or against it, that's that's beside the point. But like, sometimes I feel like situations like this where, you know, hey, this was resolved and this isn't really a thing anymore – these get brought up by the people who are kind of like, Hey, I'm tired of my people getting canceled. Let's try to cancel somebody on the other team, which is dumb. Agreed. Yeah. It, it is what it is, I guess. Uh, let's switch topics and talk about um, some comics because, Hey, who doesn't love comics? Um, and we're going to start with, uh, pot, project. No, that's not a thing. Project. (laughs) Project (laughs) patron. Uh, It is out now, uh, from act aftershock comics. It's by Steve Orlando and Patrick, uh, Piazzalonga. So this issue of project patron, uh, deals with the fallout of the death of, um, the main person behind project patron commander cone, um, And how the team reacts to it. Uh, There's also now a cult involved. Um, (laughs) Have those ears perked up a little bit. Should have read this one.
2: Man, I love a cult.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And we're getting to that. We'll get to you. Matt, what did you think of this issue?
1: Um, I I absolutely love this story. Because kind of like we said with the first issue, this is a superhero team which is not your typical superhero team. Um, And now not only are we dealing with the fallout of death of one of their members and not just one of their members, but like their leader. Um, But now you have, essentially you have a bad guy that's come into the picture Um, that if I'm not mistaken, the foreshadowing here is saying that the bad guy is not just the bad guy, but he is at fault and the cause of death. Um so I mean the team is dealing with the loss they're trying to figure out how to move forward at the same time this bad guy this villain just seems to be ramping up his plans um so I I don't know if this is a limited series or a continuing series but like I'm here to see where this goes and what happens
0: yeah agreed um one of the things that I really loved about this book is how you know, each member of the team dealt with this grief in, you know, in their own different way. You know, you had, you know, anger, you had, you know, sadness and it was just like, yeah, I just, I thought that that was really well done. Um, At the same time, yes, I am now incredibly interested in the, uh, who these, you know, bad guys are and, you know, what they are, you know, what they have in store for, project patron and you know like the world in general um yeah it was really one of those like kind of like reveals where it's like okay cool now I need issue three like right now <laughs> this is one of the really really bad things about reading books on a monthly basis you know like it's like okay I need to buy them and then maybe not read them but and then read them all at once but then I can't and then I just do and read them anyway <laughs> because they've got me hooked um, speaking of cults, Tabitha, you got a chance to read um, "American Cult" by Silver Sprocket or from Silver Sprocket. Um, it's an anthology series. Uh, I'm really excited to read this, but like we were talking off air, um, I live at my job now, so that's fun. So, Tabitha, take it away. What's "American Cult" all about?
2: Um, "American Cult" is an anthology of um short comics, essentially that are giving you kind of like a background or a look at religious cults in America um, from like, you know, colonial age till now. Um, The um, anthology was put together by Robin Chapman, and there is a very well-written introduction slash disclaimer at the beginning, kind of talking about what um, this author views cults as like the for rec- like requirements for it to be viewed as a cult versus, you know, like just a stereotypical religion or whatever. Um, and, you know, there is also a, a note in there about how um, sometimes cults are uh, like over, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but like um, people people look at cults in the wrong way and they get like, me- the media like, bl- like kind of blows them out of proportion, doesn't give you the full story. And this editor really wanted stories that gave you more of like a background and a look inside with still be like with it still being like super respectful. So I'm a little over halfway through. I'm almost done. There are, uh, I don't even know, 15 probably, uh, cults or sex mentioned in this anthology. Um, it, you know, runs from, Like, The Monk in the Cave, which happened, like, very, very, very early America. Like, all the way up till you know, Vanguard. Um, It covers some of the more, like, you know, quote-unquote popular cults, like Heaven's Gate and Jonestown and uh, Westboro Baptist Church. Just gives you kind of, like, an overall look. Um, I'm really enjoying this. I'm actually learning things, and I like to consider myself fairly informed about... True crime and especially cults. Um, and I have learned at least two things, and I'm not done with this yet. Uh it has caused me to take at least two Google deep dives. So <laughs> it's taken me a while to read it because I keep having to go look up news articles because that's who I am. Um, but I I'm really like yeah, enjoying this is the bad is a bad word. It's more like being educated, but in a graphic novel form about cults. I I want a hard copy of this. Like I this is this is fantastically done. Um, there are a couple of them where the art was a little much for me and I had to just kind of read the words because the art was giving, literally giving me a headache. Um, all in all, this is this is great. And I hate saying that. Like This is like my favorite thing we've ever read. And it's about cults. I don't know if that says more about me or us in general, but here we are.
0: I mean, I can't say that I'm surprised.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, we used to play trivia and... A friend of mine and I would like, try to like throw our topics into a hat to like have our category picked for trivia and, uh, cults and, uh, mass, like mass disasters, like mass casualty disasters were our two favorite categories to put in because we knew a lot about those things. So cheers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So finally, uh, Also out now, this time from uh, Vault Comics, it's Heavy Number 6. It is by Max Bemis and Eric Donovan. Uh, If you haven't caught up, the first uh, volume is available on trade. Um, So check that out. It's been a story that I've really, really enjoyed. So this issue, uh, we see Bill and Slim, who... They've become, like, unwilling partners. They didn't want to become partners, but now they are. Here here we go. (laughs) But they have a new teammate. Bill's dead wife, Sharon, slash Slim's dead ex-girlfriend, Sharon. But she's from an alternate universe. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, And... And I'll tell you what, like, this new team-up is wild. Uh, Bill has to kind of, like, separate the Sharon that he knows from this one, who it's, like, it's the same basic person, but she's a very different person, and so he has to kind of, you know, reconcile that. Uh, like I said before, I mean, this, this book is wild. It's it's violent. It's definitely not for kids. Uh, in the first page, you see some boobies. Um, <laughs>
2: <laughs> I should have made that uh, stipulation about uh, the Colts one as well it is informative but it is also informative only for adults please <laughs>
0: um but yeah it's just it's it's so good uh, if you know it's like if you like action flicks that you know you can kind of turn your brain off for a while then this comic is 100% for you um and I say this and I'm not really one of those types of people but Anyway, yeah, so definitely, definitely read that. All right, let's get into some Trailer Takedown. So we are going to start Trailer Takedown. We've got a couple of interesting matchups. I feel bad for this first matchup because they are two wildly different movies. Uh, We're (laughs) pitting up uh, Green Knight versus uh, The Wish Dragon. So... um, Matt, let's start with you. Uh, so,
1: The Green Knight is actually the second trailer that we've seen for this. Um, the first trailer came out early last year. Originally, it was supposed to come out sometime in 2020. But we all know, because of the Panini, theaters got shut down and this got pushed <laughs> back. <out>. Um, so, <laughs> The Panini? Actually, I, forgot. I forgot. I was going to start calling it the pandemic.
2: <laughs> we have called it everything but a pandemic around here including but not limited to a panini a pop lock and drop it and a toyota prius
1: <laughs> and a pandora's box
2: and a pandora's box.
1: which that's definitely accurate um yeah the, the most recent what i saw today was a pandemic though which that's pretty good description anyway so green knight has got a new trailer because it is coming to theaters this summer um, this is an A24 film, which, if you know anything about A24, they tend to do horror and weird. Um, that's pretty much their niche. Um, this trailer seems to follow that. Like, they have taken a dark turn with the story of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, Gawain, however you to pronounce it. Um, I don't know. This definitely gives more story kind of as the trailer for the trailer than the last one did. Um, Definitely gives some artsy weird vibes, but overall not so sure. Um, And the, the trailer that this is up against is wish dragon, which is being released on Netflix. What June 11th, I think it said family friendly, cool story. Um, Basically this young man finds a teapot which has a wish dragon in it, which will grant him, you guessed it, three wishes. Um, and how he uses those wishes to, as a trailer, and it's very good, very good story trailer. Um, it tells you that, you know, he has lost his best friend because they grew up and grew apart. Um, and really when it comes down to it, his, his one wish that he really wants is to have his friend back. Uh, looks like a really heartwarming story. Looks like a, like, it looks like one of those, I don't know, it's from the creators of Shrek, but that, that Shrek Disney feel good story vibe um, with some uh, some dashes of humor thrown in. So um, as far as points go, I am actually going to give uh, eight points to Wish Dragon because it does this looks cute. It looks fun. This looks like something I would sit down and watch by myself and with the boys and they would enjoy Um As much as I like the idea of the artsy, weird Green Knight story, this trailer just doesn't really draw me in and make me want to see this film. So I'm going to go two for Green Knight.
0: Um, I am actually basically opposite you, Matt. Uh, I really enjoyed The Green Knight, which is weird because, like, fantasy, you know, like medieval, you know, like all that kind of stuff, isn't normally my bag. But there was something about this trailer. I was like, okay, this could be my bag, though. Um, <laughs> and then um, it was actually, like, the first, I don't know, 30 seconds of Wish Dragon, I was like, okay, this might be a little bit more evenly matched for me. This might be kind of interesting. But then I realized that this is a blatant Aladdin ripoff. Like, I'm Thank surprised... You. I'm surprised that they didn't try to reanimate Robin Williams to get him to play the wish dragon. Um, <laughs> like even down to like the whole, like when the, the boy is like, you know, saying that he, you know, wants to wish to be, you know, back reunited with, you know, the girl or whatever. And then the dragon's like, I can't make people fall in love with you. And so it's like, okay, yeah, that was one of Genie's rules, but okay, fine, whatever. Um, there was, there was still some humor in it. Uh, but like, I couldn't, I couldn't get that out of my head. And so uh, I'm giving nine points to the Green Knight and I'm giving one to Wish Dragon. Uh, Lydia.
3: Yeah, I'm going to have to follow suit with you. Um, The Green Knight, uh, it kind of bordered on like explaining too much in the trailer and not explaining enough. Like, that's weird to say. It was a weird balance, but it kind of drew me in. I want to see like what fills in the gaps between what they did show you and what they don't. Um, And then, yeah, like you said, Wish Dragon, I was like, okay, this looks cute. And, and it's just Aladdin. It's just Aladdin. Why, why are you doing this? (laughs) Like, like you said, as soon as I made that connection, the rest of it just lost me. So it does look cute though. So I'm going to go ahead and give it to, and then give Green Knight, Uh, Eight, but yeah.
2: Can you be a little less obvious with your (laughs) (laughs) ripoff?
0: And Tabitha? Um,
2: I would watch Dev Patel in anything ever in the history of time. Um, Green Knight looks like uh, Yelmer Guillermo del Toro had a baby with M. Night Shyamalan, and that is this movie. And I want this I I want it given to me. Um I agree. I was like, okay, so I'm watching like Asian Aladdin. Cool. However, the dragon like I spoiler alert, I don't really like Aladdin. Aladdin was like my least favorite movie, like Disney movie when I was a kid, other than Bambi for obvious reasons. So I kind of want this to have like a good Aladdin in my life. <laughs> like that would be nice. So I'm gonna go Six Degree Night because it's it's giving me all this spooky fantasy vibes and four to wish dragon which i just want to call asian aladdin now from now on
0: <laughs> i mean you're not wrong <laughs> i i can't have that be part of the title because i just know that i would it would not go well asian aladdin mm. <laughs> oh uh, so with a score of 25 to 15 green knight moves on and it's going to go up against one of these sequels, either Quiet Place 2 or Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Um, Lydia, let's start with you on this one. So I feel like
3: I'm kind of at a disadvantage on this one because I have not seen either of the first movies of these movies. But both of these did a really good job at, like making me want to go back and watch the first movies. Um, Venom's obviously on my list already. Uh, And this just looks really good. I like the like little quippiness between him and, and Venom. And then, I don't know, something about just the like overlayer of Woody Harrelson speaking as you're flashing through the different scenes, just like really pulled me in for some reason. So I definitely want to see that. Uh, Quiet place. Honestly, this one kind of drew me in more than watching the trailers for the first one. Like, I wasn't really interested in seeing the first one, but this makes me want to go back and watch it, so it did a pretty good job on that, I think. Um, overall, I'm gonna go seven to Venom and three to Quiet Place.
0: Um
2: So, after watching the first Venom movie, I felt this way, but I definitely feel this way after watching this trailer for the second one. I feel like I have a Venom inside me, and... It's not really, like, a symbiote. Like, I don't have, like, an extra thing. But, like, I hear that voice in my head where I'm, like, somebody makes me mad. I'm, like, I can eat them. <laughs> like, no, that's not a rational thought. Stop it. Um, but also, I get mad when there's no chocolate. So, <laughs> I, um, I really liked the first Quiet Place movie. Uh, but my problem is, is I'm not ready to sit in a the theater yet, I don't think. Despite what the CDC says I can do. Um, so I can't watch this movie not in a the theater because I swear to Christ, the first time one of the children outside my house screams bloody murder for no apparent reason while I'm watching The Quiet Place, I'm actively going to jail. So <laughs> I'm torn. Um, Venom made me laugh. Quiet Place made me go, ooh, a couple times. I don't I don't know how to compare and contrast those two things. Uh, but I'm going to give six to Venom, because it hashtag relatable, and four to Quiet Place, mostly because I'm picturing the children outside my house screaming while I'm trying to watch it.
0: So, I was actually kind of conflicted, and it's weird because as much as I was surprised and enjoyed the first Venom movie, um, I wasn't super excited about this trailer. I wanted to be. I did. Uh, some of it was cool. Uh, Woody Harrelson looks like he's going to be creepy af um but uh i don't know like the like the opening scene with carnage making eddie brock breakfast a uh, borderline on cringy like i couldn't tell if i wanted to laugh or cringe at it um, <laughs> and there were a couple other points in in that trailer um on the flip side with a quiet place too like you lydia i never saw the first one i really wanted to I was really mad at myself when it finally left theaters. Cause I felt like that was a movie you had to watch in the theaters and I just never got around to watching it at home. Um, but that said for a sequel, especially if I hadn't seen the first one, it's got to make me want to go back and watch the first one. And this trailer for a quiet place two did not do that. It did not make me be like, Oh, Hey, um, yeah, let's do this right now. Um, so based off of the trailer itself, um, I'm going I'm going all in on Venom. Even though, even though I had my issues with it, I still felt overall it was the better trailer. Um, I still felt at least a little bit excited about it, and um, Quiet Place Two gets nothing. <laughs> Matt, uh,
1: so I also have not seen the first Quiet Place, and this trailer. Um, while it is interesting and nerve wracking, um, it makes me just feel lost. Like I don't know what's happening and I don't know why. Um, And as much as like you said, Mitch, that should make me want to run out and see the first one. It just makes me feel like I'm behind the eight ball. And I'm like, well, you know, I guess I'll see them both when I see them. Um, The Venom trailer um, I the first Venom movie surprised me I did not think it was going to be as good as it was I really enjoyed it um, I have a little bit of an issue with the um, I watched a little bit of the uh, in, I guess interview I guess you will with Andy Serkis who directed Venom 2 um, and I'm a little concerned about the odd couple mentality that is going on with Uh, Eddie Brock and Venom. Um, It's just not the Venom that I grew up with. Like, there was Venom and there was Eddie Brock. Like, there really wasn't an interaction between the two of them like there is in this film. On the other hand, Woody Harrelson's character as Carnage just seems so incredibly spot on. Like, to be able to play that crazy... Carnage is almost like a... Marvel version version of Joker, but with alien powers. Uh, I, mean, I mean, he's just off the wall batshit nuts. Um, and I think Woody Harrelson is going to do a great job with that. Um, so, especially having watched the Venom trailer twice now, um, I'm going to go eight points for Venom 2 and two for Quiet
0: Place. All right, so with a score of um 31 to 9 venom 2 moves on that is right you did say 8 points to venom 2 right yep okay i knew that but like as i was adding up i was like wait did he say 8 points to quiet place that doesn't make sense but i've confused myself <laughs> now so um all right so venom 2 versus the green knight uh i'm giving 6 points to green knight uh 4 points to venom 2 Uh, I will still likely see both, but in terms of the trailer itself, I think that The Green Knight did a much better job for me of being, of intriguing me and pulling me in. Tabitha? Um,
2: I'm gonna gonna have to go five and five. There's no, I don't know. (laughs) It's one of those things I can't, it's apples and oranges, I can't, I can't. My brain doesn't compute.
0: (laughs) Matt?
1: um i am gonna have to go seven for venom and three for green knight just based on the trailers
0: okay and
3: lydia yeah i think i'm gonna have to follow suit with matt because the thing with these two trailers for me is i don't like trailers that just like give you too much of the plot right off the bat and i feel like at points green knight kind of did uh venom kind of was a good balance of here's kind of what's going to happen, but we're not going to tell you everything because we want you to actually to watch the movie. So <laughs> yeah, seven for Venom and three for Green free night.
0: All right. So with a score of 17 to 22 Venom two is the winner of this week's trailer takedown. All right, guys, let's do some gut reaction. Oof, gut reaction. And we're going to start this week with Tabitha. You've got an update on where the crawdad sing.
2: I do. So as we all know, my uh, obsession with Reese Witherspoon has not abated. And We're the Crawdad Sing, which was the 2020, or 2019, I think, like basically book of the year, um, is being um, turned into a film from Reese Witherspoon's production company. Uh, the book is by Delia Owens, and it follows a girl named Kaya who was abandoned by her family to live among the marsh in North Carolina. Uh, She doesn't go to school. She learns to live off the land. And basically she is just a nature loving girl and life starts happening to her. I still have not read this book. So that's fine. I keep saying I'm going to, but I keep not. We're getting a June 22, 2022, release and it will star daisy edgar jones which is the real big news of this um the only thing that she was in that i can think of right off the top of my head is normal people which i also haven't seen or read who am i um but i'm i'm stoked for this like i trust reese witherspoon's like hello sunshine production company with pretty much any book adaptation at this point especially since reese picked this for like her book of the year and for her like Hello Sunshine reading book club thing a couple times. So, while I have not read the book, I trust it in her hands. And obviously, it's Reese Witherspoon. She loves to put herself in these movies. So, I'm just waiting for Southern accent Reese Witherspoon to come back as my life. So, that gets 10 thumbs up from me. (laughs) Uh,
0: Yeah, I mean, in Reese we trust. So... um...
2: (laughs) (laughs) I just got a great idea for a (laughs) t-shirt.
0: But yeah, this sounds, this sounds intriguing. I'm in for it. Thumbs up. Lydia.
3: Yeah, I totally agree Uh, with her being behind it. Then I have a good feeling that it's going to be good. Thumbs up. Matt.
1: Yeah. Book adaptations can be iffy sometimes. Um, But with Reese Witherspoon behind this, as much as she loves to read and has her own book club and has chosen this and given it such high praise. I feel like she's going to give it the attention it deserves. So we're going to go thumbs up.
0: Matt, uh, let's talk about us auditioning for legends of the hidden temple.
1: So a while back we got news that they were going to do a legends of the hidden temple show. Um, Originally it was going to be on that. Womp womp streaming service Quibi. Um, which now apparently it's going to be Netflix.
0: I think CW. CW. Oh
1: yeah. CW. Um, but anyways, long short is this, that they are opening it up for auditions for not kids, adults. So yes, if you grew up on legends of the hidden temple, you too can apply and maybe get your chance to run the temple of Olmec. So, what do you think, Mitch? We can find a way to get to uh, LA sometime in uh, June or July when they're doing, oh, July, when they're doing um, auditions. Thank you. I can't. I, can't
0: word. I mean, I will quit my job if I have to. Just, <laughs> just give me a reason to. Just do it. <laughs> right.
1: Um, they, they did say that there are a couple of things you should take note of um, as far as like what you might need to be doing for the competition. Um, can you comfortably swim 200 feet without assistance explain your swimming ability so I'm going to drown just so you know um, do you have any allergies or asthma do you get claustrophobia in small spaces which that's the definition of claustrophobia that's redundant um, do you get dizzy easily are you afraid of heights no just falling from them and what's the most embarrassing thing you do to be on the show I don't know are there Klondike bars involved um, <laughs> I think this is fun. I love that they're opening this up for adults instead of kids because we're the ones that watch this growing up. So thumbs up. Tabitha.
2: Um, you had me until you've read me all the reasons I can't be on this show because I literally have every single one of those problems. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Except for the swimming.
2: Except for the swimming. I can swim. That's fine. I can do that part but everything else disqualifies me right right off the bat. So that makes me a little sad but I'm still giving it a thumbs up because I'm ready for the show to come back.
0: Uh, yeah, thumbs up. I'm totally excited for this. And if by some miracle, like we do decide to go and audition and make it, Matt, if you screw up putting together the Shrine of the Silver Monkey, I will never talk to you again. I'm just going to let you know that <laughs> right now. It's three pieces, and you got to make it look like a monkey. I, I still do not understand how it was ever that difficult, but whatever. Still, <laughs> even though now I'm getting angry, thumbs up. Lydia
3: yeah absolutely thumbs up and all i'm saying is you, you may have all those things tabitha but between like the four of us here like we have two teams like we can do this we can all do
2: this we can make it work i don't know guys my fear of tight spaces is, is pretty real they put me in like a cave or a box or something it's all over and then i'm gonna be dizzy so i'm gonna faint so that puts another mark <laughs> not a good idea for me guys
3: nice. <laughs> okay well then you can be our cheerleader how's that sound
2: Okay. Right. This uh, right. I, yeah,
3: this sounds so much fun, and I want to go find where the auditions are. Yes, thumbs up.
0: You know, if we can also talk Pickett and not Seth into this, we could like try to make like a Geek Awakens like night for Legends of the Hidden Temple. Hmm. They might just need to talk. Over, to, yeah,
1: just take over the show.
0: Exactly. Yeah, they should talk to us. They really should.
2: Yeah. I like this video. You should, you should
3: get our pr person on that do you have one of those
0: uh not really <laughs> Probably the same person well, to just
3: decide to be that so we can do this
0: i mean you're a secretary so i mean that's basically the same thing ah. that's true.
3: <laughs> i'll get on it <clears throat>
0: So, D.C. is celebrating Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month by letting fans read Superman Smashes the Clan for free this month as part of the D.C. Book Club. Um, also on May 18th, uh, fans will be able to participate in a Q&A with uh, the writer of the book, Gene uh, Luen Yang. Definite thumbs up. Uh, I've read this story and it's phenomenal. Um, I think it's something that everyone should read uh and yeah it's knowing this even though I could read it for free I also can already read it for free because I already bought it uh but it makes (laughs) me (laughs) makes me want to go back and revisit it so definite thumbs up Lydia
3: yeah this sounds really cool thumbs up
0: Matt
1: uh I love when they are able to do stuff like this and they do stuff like this in like the the you know, for the cause of greater diversity and inclusion and I- increasing knowledge. I, I think that's great. So a huge thumbs up for that.
0: Tabitha.
2: Yeah. Giant thumbs up. I love the inclusivity. I love the free access. Thumbs up, thumbs up. Uh,
0: Matt, let's talk about Regina King and Bitterroot.
1: So Bitterroot is a, an image comic, um, comic book series um, that takes place around a monster hunting family in the 1920s Harlem Renaissance. I didn't know that this was even a thing. And that alone sounds fantastic. Um, but Regina King has signed on with Legendary Pictures to helm the upcoming film adaptation of this.
0: Um,
1: like I said, I didn't know that this was a comic book series before now, but this has like... I need to find this. It needs to go on my TBR. Um, it was first published in 2018, uh, created by David F. Walker, Sanford Green, and Chuck Brown. Um, I mean, it is. The story is set in the Harlem Renaissance of 1924 um, when a fractured family of once great monster hunters faces an unimaginable, unimaginable evil that descends upon New York City. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm in for everything about this, and now I just hope that Regina King also stars in it. So, thumbs up. them.
2: This sounds like it's combining two of my favorite things, which is The Mallet of Black Tom by Victor LaVale, oh. and The Diviners by Leva Bray. Like, it is those <laughs> two stories, like, coming together, and that, that sounds phenomenal. So, I, again, I reiterate what you said. I need to get my hands on this. Thumbs up.
0: Um, I'm going to detract slightly. I mean, it sounds it sounds interesting. I'm gonna go thumb sideways because I don't know. I don't know that it's for me. It's it sounds cool, but I don't think that I'd be into it. Lydia,
3: Monster Hunting Family. So Supernatural set in 1920s. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, uh, okay, I, I can see how uh, I could see this being good, but I'm I'm also concerned that it's going to try to be too many other things at once, if that makes any sense. So I'm going I'm to go with Mitch and go
0: with him sideways. Uh, Matt, we're going to stick with you for a second and uh, talk about what Alan Moore's up to. Uh,
1: so Alan Moore, after the last couple of years and his anger directed at DC, um, has signed a massive book deal with Bloomsbury. Um. It's a six-figure deal that includes a collection of short stories, which is already titled, uh, will be called Illuminations. Um, That's going to go on sale fall of 2022. Um, But he is also going to be producing a five-volume series titled Long London. Uh, Initially, it's going to be set for release in 2024, so we've got quite a while before that happens. Um, But it is... uh, kind of like an alternate future um, London with murder, magic and madness is the way it's being described. Um, Bloomsbury is also describing the series as epic and unforgettable, a tour de force of magic and history. Um, Watchmen is still and always gonna be one of my absolute favorite graphic novels. Um, Alan Moore's storytelling in that is just absolutely phenomenal. like I've never read any of his like novels or short stories or anything, but I to get some of that from his mind, I'm all for it. I think this is great. I'm just sad we have to wait so long to get it. But thumbs up.
2: Knowing what Alan Moore can do with Watchmen, and everybody's Alan Moore go-to is always Watchmen. My Alan Moore go-to is always from Hell. Mm-hmm. So, knowing what he can do with stories that are not always super superhero-based, this sounds great like i i trust him to take like what did you say murder made him a mystery like take that and like like, just make it stunningly beautiful but also give you a wonderful story like he always does so thumbs
0: up i want to give this a thumbs up but i'm going down like slightly um (laughs) only because uh we gotta wait so effing long Which, granted, yeah, 2024 isn't that far away when you think about it, but still, like, it sounds like we will have flying cars by the time we get this. Lydia.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I agree. It sounds really cool, but having to wait that long for it is kind of a letdown, I guess. But also, kind of off topic, but it might have been the connection of the speaker, but when you were talking, to Tabitha, I heard Murder Bacon in magic or whatever the other word was instead of mayhem i don't know how i got that out of that but you know
0: i mean bacon is i I read that too (laughs) (laughs) so uh finn whitrock has been cast as guy gardner in the eight in hbo max's green lantern series um finn says that the guy in this series Um, is the quote embodiment of 1980s hyper patriotism yet finds a way to be likable Um, I'm giving this a thumb sideways I love Guy Gardner he's one of my favorite characters Uh, I don't I I don't believe I've seen anything that Finn Whitrock has been in so I can't really say one way or the other but if he doesn't have red hair uh, I'm gonna riot because that's (laughs) one of these signature things about Guy Gardner. But, yeah, thumb sideways. Lydia?
3: Yeah, I'm trying to look up this dude because I, I don't think I know who he is, but looking at his face, I feel like I've seen him in other things, but he's always, like, a douchebag in those
0: things. So, I mean, Guy Gardner is a douchebag.
3: So I mean, if you're going for typecasting, then I feel like you're doing okay, but other than that, I really don't have an opinion on him or anything, so I'm just going to kind of go thumb sideways and see what happens with it.
0: Matt?
1: Green Lantern is one of those characters that for like the idea in his power, the idea and his powers seems like he should absolutely 100% be my jam, but I just can never manage to get into a Green Lantern story. And I'm a little concerned because we have yet to really see what HBO max can do with like a superhero series, because in all reality, Watchmen, which I have not seen, wasn't really a superhero series. Um. So, I, I don't know I'm iffy on that The casting, like I, I, like you guys said I don't really recognize him From anything, so I guess we'll have to wait And see, I don't know I hope that this may be the Green Lantern story That finally pulls me in But I'm thumb sideways until we see more uh,
2: Yeah, he's got another one of those Punchable faces that I'm not really into And <laughs> I've never known anybody To be like hyper patriot and also be likable. I don't like <coughs> those things don't go together. Like, don't even start with me. <laughs> we don't, say the, don't take the name of Captain America in vain in this house. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to give this based on his face and that description a thumbs down.
0: All right, guys, they've started to announce casting for Knives Out 2. Uh, so far... Uh, joining Daniel Craig are uh, Dave Bautista, Edward Norton, Janelle Monáe, and it was announced like a couple hours ago, Catherine Hahn, um, a.k.a. Agnes from WandaVision. Uh, I... what? Agatha. Yeah. Well, her name started out as Agnes. Did it? Yes.
2: Man, I must have blocked that out. <laughs> I
0: still
2: <laughs> need to watch that. So. But it was Agnes, yeah. 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 <laughs> Man i blocked that whole thing out, guys. I have blocked out Scarlet Witch from my head. WandaVision, whatever the hell it's called. I don't even know anymore. It's literally gone.
0: Um, but anyway, um, this entire cast sounds phenomenal. Um, even though it took me forever to watch the first Knives Out, I loved it. Um, I'm really, really, really excited for the second one, and I need it, like, right now. So, Lydia
3: this is yet another movie that is on my never ending list. of I need to watch that, but this sounds cool. Sounds like good people. So I'm just going to be over here in my corner, like saying, yeah, I'm going to watch that eventually.
1: (laughs) We'll see what happens, but
3: thumbs up for casting news. Yay.
1: (laughs) Matt. Uh, So we watched the first one. And while I did enjoy it, um, I didn't love it as much as I was hoping I would. But this casting, like everything about this cast sounds absolutely fantastic. Um, so until we get more story-wise, I'm just going to go thumb sideways
0: as a whole. Tabitha.
2: Uh Yeah, I wanted, I mean, it was Chris Evans and a Agatha Christie kind of murder mystery, and I thought I would like this more than I did. But this movie was written like... E.L. James decided she wanted to write an Agatha Christie novel and it pissed me off um so I'm gonna go thumb sideways because this is a great cast the first movie had a great cast I don't think it has a casting problem that first movie had a writer problem as long as the second movie has a better plot that makes more sense and it's actually interesting I'm down
0: so closing out gut reaction um Matt what is uh Carol Baskin up to these days
1: so you know like everybody you know cryptocurrency is you know the new thing right so why not have um some oh uh, some of our own cryptocurrency oh God. uh dollar cat uh is is now available <laughs> it the it's it's dollar sign c-a-t is is what this is um it's her cryptocurrency coin. It has exclusive benefits that include, uh, elite access to live walkabouts and conversations with Carol Baskin and her crew of big cat lovers and keepers, uh, discounts and access first access to new merchandise and activities. Um, and of course, future plans. Um, it's launching in a week or so. Um, this just but why like i I know that cryptocurrencies are the new cool thing like nfts but like i just i i don't understand it and one other thing to know before i give my vote on this um she is quoted as saying i'm investigating cryptocurrencies because i am concerned about the volume of u.s dollars that are being printed and distributed with nothing to back them up that's the definition of a cryptocurrency is it literally has nothing to back it up it's just a bunch of ones and zeros thumbs
0: down tabitha
2: i don't want to live on this planet anymore um oh god um i work at a bank i have to listen to people talk about cryptocurrency people who don't understand cryptocurrency who end up in a giant mess because of cryptocurrency happens all the time don't go through the uk kids um also maybe don't trust Carol Baskin to know what the hell she's doing because she's dumb. So, so.
0: <laughs> I mean, I can like almost guarantee that Carol Baskin had never even heard the term cryptocurrency until like three weeks ago. Like
2: Maybe Carol Baskin probably still hasn't. It's like someone in her entourage is other Yeah,
0: yeah. It's like how like various celebrities will like, you know, like say that they made this perfume. No, you didn't. Somebody did, and you're just slapping your name on it. Um, Yeah, no. Anybody who participates in this, I mean, they are not ever going to financially recover from this debacle, so um, (laughs) this is terrible muse. uh, Thumbs down. Lydia.
2: I don't have my bell. Lydia Bell. Got it.
3: (laughs) So, unlike most of the country slash world during the whole lockdown thing, I never watched Tiger King and even still, I have had enough of Carol Baskins in my life as it is without having even watched the show. Just, 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 just stop. Just go, go away. Thumbs down.
1: So before we move on, I have one last thing to mention. I forgot this was in the article. Um, she actually isn't even calling it like cryptocurrency. She's calling it
0: currency. Okay, if you're gonna shame Bell me for Muse, you need to shame Bell Carol Baskin for Pern.
2: <laughs> I was just about to ask if I could shame, Car- shame Bell Carol Baskin, but at the same time, like I don't want her name on a list with my name anywhere in the world just in case. <laughs> <laughs> I can just put CB. I'll accept that. Yeah, that could be anybody. Yeah. But yeah. But
0: we'll, But we'll all know.
2: We'll all know that it's Carol Baskin, but again, I don't want any, I don't want, I don't wish that evil on anybody for any of our names to be on any kind of list at the same time as Carol Baskin. That's how you get blacklisted.
0: (laughs) 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 All right, so we've got one last story. Uh, Tabitha, it's all yours. It's about a new, I believe it's a Kickstarter or GoFundMe or...
2: Um, it's actually neither one of those things. Um, well, not really. Um... The, okay, so as we know, uh, the, the Cathedral of Notre Dame tried to, you know, burn down, and it's being fixed. They're working on repairing it. It's been, you know, in the works since they got everything back and running, up and running since, like, the fire in 2019. Um, however, uh, France, uh, like, the most wealthy families of France have basically been backing this, like, billions of dollars, However, there are, like, small pieces of the architecture and the statues and things inside and outside the cathedral that still need help and still need work. So in order to get funding for those, they're kind of doing it like a, um, like an adoption. So, like, the statues of Mark, Paul, and Jude have already reached their funding goals, but... There are, you know, those little, little gargoyle guys that do the little little water spout and the little grotesques that are all over that look like little meh, you know, and (laughs) you can go on their website and basically adopt and or back the funding for those to be repaired. Um, It is going to be a slow process. This is going to be an expensive process. Um, There was talk when they were starting to fix Notre Dame that they were going to kind of modernize it and literally everyone with a brain flipped out and was like uh no you cannot do that so instead of doing that they're you know restoring it versus you know fixing it but it's again it's expensive so it's a way to just kind of go in and throw some cash at you know a statue being fixed or repaired or um I like the phrase adopt a gargoyle which just brings me joy. Um, this is I think I know I know we live in a world where you know there are people and things that are hurting but we also live in a world where we have to keep history alive because if we don't have our history we have nothing. So if you know you want to go throw some bucks at the French government to maybe, you know, give a gargoyle a haircut, you could do that. I, I love that. <laughs> right? It just it like warms my cold dead heart. <laughs>
3: I feel like if I had some extra money, like, I would, I would just go around saying, hey, guys, guess what? I adopted a gargoyle. <laughs> <laughs> Do we for get... the conversations of, wait, what?
0: <laughs> right? Do we get naming rights for, for the gargoyle?
2: No. Most of them have been named since, like, the late 16th century, so they all got names. Um, they're mostly named weird things, though, like... The gargoyles from hunchback their names were not far off from like the things that they're randomly named and like the way that they put track of them that was not in this article that's just a random piece of information that for some reason i know um who knows but it's gonna take like 15 20 years to get this thing restored to its original glory which it will never be but we'll get there but i just thought it was cute <laughs> i do the gargoyles gargoyle. <laughs> <laughs> And, like, it's a good, I mean, it's a good thing to put, you know, a little bit of money to. I mean, like I said, there's other much worse things going on in the world, but.
0: I've spent way more on dumber things.
2: Samezies <laughs> yeah. By a large. On, on Amazon. Yeah. Huh? I you feel said... attacked.
0: <laughs> <sighs> you know, you know. No, you're not wrong. <laughs> So, all right. uh, That is going to do it for this episode of The Geek Awakens. We'll be back uh, next week. But in the meantime, check us out on social media. We'll be posting news throughout the week. While you're there, uh, give us some feedback. Tell us what cool stuff we're missing out on. Any questions, comments, or concerns, shoot us an email at thegeekawakenspodcast at gmail.com. From all of us at The Geek Awakens, thanks for listening, and we hope to catch you next time. Everybody say bye.
1: bye. Bye.